Welcome to the first Irrational Thoughts podcast. I am DeAndre Honorable, and I'm here with my co my co star Matthew Corser. Hello. Um, <laughs> I think we're gonna start it off a little bit talking uh, about ourselves at first, and then we're probably gonna jump into a couple topics: uh, the Democratic debate and the bombing in the Middle East and Afghanistan of Doctors Without Borders. It'll be mostly about the Democratic debate. You'll do you'll do most of talking about the bombing. I wasn't as uh, prepared for that as you were, but we can we can definitely talk about it a little bit. Give some people some info on what happened. Yeah, because I definitely think it's one of those things where it's not getting enough press coverage as much as it should be. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, uh, if you think about it on another stance, I mean, if the middle, if uh, Iran would have did the same thing or Putin would have did the same thing, I mean, we'd be up in arms about it right now. But because yeah, any, anybody, anybody who had done that that wasn't America, we would have been irate about it. I mean, Benghazi. We we talked about that for months. It was they talk. They're still talking about Benghazi, and it's horrible. But four people died, American citizens. It's horrible. But this is just like innocent people, doctors who go into these areas to help people. And no, no, we're not going to talk about it. It's kind of a sorry. Things just happen. Yeah, stuff happens. I'll call y'all. Say sorry. I'll put in this uh d- this uh investigation from the White House, but uh. I think we're going off from that a little bit, a little much. Um, Matt, let's uh, let's start off with you. What would you like to say about yourself? Um, well, I am 27 years old, currently living in Ypsilanti, Michigan. For those of you who are outside the state of Michigan, I don't think there will be a lot of them this first episode. It's kind of in the southeast corner of the state of Michigan. Decent little town, nothing crazy. Used to used to live in Mid Michigan. Grand Rapids been all over the place the last couple of years, but I'll pass the baton on to you now. Okay. Well, uh, again, my name is DeAndre. I grew up in uh, the Grand Rapids area in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, I've pretty much been here my whole life, so I'm not as uh, fun as and exciting as Matt on that subject is. Um, I'm not that <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know, politi- politically speaking, um, I kind of more more go towards the libertarian side of things, and uh, we'll get a little bit more into uh, that in detail for those who don't know what that all entails. Um, but it, it's kind of in my in my view, I I kind of say it as the best of two worlds, where socially I can have those democratic, those liberal qualities, but conserv but conservative, but fiscally I can have those conservative qualities as well. Pretty much whatever way the wind flows best for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I try to stay as independent as possible. I'll listen to everybody's perspectives and point of view, and then I'll decide what's best for for me or a majority as a whole. So I try to be as open-minded and well-rounded as possible. Uh, the current state of the Republican Party makes that very, very hard for me to be as open-minded as possible. But I still try very hard. Right, and I hear you. Those guys are pretty, uh, pretty out there. Um, you know, they kind of they got such a handicap with Donald Trump there. I mean, I really don't think that the Republican debates or the conversation in general would be as absolutely ridiculous if Donald Trump wasn't there. But I mean. You can, not, not to get too far off topic from the Democratic debate we're talking about, we can we can touch base on this for, for a hot second, but you can definitely tell that people like Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and even Scott Walker when he was in it, they really wanted to talk about what they wanted to do as far as policy, but Donald Trump turned it into a who can throw the most mud, who can yell the loudest, and stuff like that. So it's, I can understand the frustration with the with the Republican candidates, but at the same time, the Republican Party and Fox News created Donald Trump. They've made this bed; they have to sleep in it now. Yeah, that's it. That, that's definitely true. Um, you know, it's all, it's one of the things where I really wish it, that there was somebody like that in the Democratic debates as well to see how they would react to that same type of approach. But like you said, it's more of who can scream the loudest, who can throw the most insults out there. And at the end of the day, Donald Trump's going to win that because he has nothing to lose. What's going to happen if he doesn't win the presidential debate? I mean, 
he doesn't get the nomination. Okay, well, great. I'll just go back to making billions of dollars a year. Whoop de do. And there's no downside to what to him losing. Whereas if say, I mean, even Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina, if they lose, they still have a lot of money. But this could end Rand Paul's political career. This could end Marco Rubio's political career. I mean, Jeb Bush isn't going to be hurt if he doesn't win it. But there's people where if they don't win this nomination, it's it's the end of their political career. Right. Definitely. So, yeah. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about why you wanna, why you got into this podcast. What makes you wanna do it? Well, I just, I really just have a lot of ideas, and I just love forcing them down everybody else's throat. <laughs> nah, that's not really it. I just, like we we talked about a while ago, we're getting to a certain age where we we complain to each other. I complain to my wife. I just talk about this stuff all the time, but I don't actually like get my views or my thoughts out there and you said the same thing so i just we just kind of got to the point where it's, we need to either like do something about how we feel or just stop complaining yeah so that's pretty much where i where i'm coming at from it yeah definitely it's one of the like you said it's one of the things it's even you know in personal life you know it's either you're going to do something or you're not going to do something and if you're not going to do something stop complaining about it um i think that viewers viewers will uh We'll have a pretty different appeal on certain things. Um, I think that's going to be one of the things that benefits our listeners more than anything is that, as you'll learn going down, that me and Matt don't necessarily agree on everything. I think on most social issues, we agree on things. But when it comes to uh, um, finances for like the government and the role of the government and stuff like that, we don't necessarily agree on everything. But we can, but we can discuss it in, in a cordial, popular, um, cordial conversation over a beer or something, and still be friends. Yeah, it's unfortunate that I don't have, have a beer right now, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, um, so you, um, I know you did a pretty extensive, uh, some pretty extensive research on the Democratic debate. What did you want to start off with? Um. Well. Their opening statements were your typical, you know, this is what I believe. And if, the thing with this debate was if, if you were going in for Hillary Clinton, if you were going in for Bernie Sanders, I don't think you walk, you walked away really. Not a lot of people walked away that I talked to saying, like, yeah, I really liked Bernie, but I came out of that debate, man, I really wanted Hillary or vice versa. It was kind of, they reinforced their base for what they, for what they were saying. And there was a few things that Hillary Clinton said that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. She was talking about she wants to create opportunities for her grand, grandchild and for everybody's grandchild. And maybe this is being nitpicky, but I mean, Hillary Clinton's part of the 1%, and I don't think her grandkid has to worry about a whole lot of life. That's very true. Um, in terms of Hillary, I think what really got me upset about that was right not a set more rubbing me the wrong way is that she really just couldn't stop reminding the crowd that she was a woman over and over and over again like it's pretty obvious that you're a woman but i mean that doesn't have any actual benefit to the nation when you start leading it i i could care less like we've talked before i could care less what your gender is what your ethnicity is what your religion is i don't care about any of that are do you have good policies are you going to make this country a better place because of what you're doing like great you're a woman that's that's fine i don't care but i'm not going to vote for you just because you're a woman right exactly so you have have to earn my vote and you're not you can't play the woman card you just automatically get it right Definitely, and I've spoken to people who said that they they're gonna vote for her just on the basis of the fact that she's a woman. And to be honest, I think that's completely asinine and so like backwards thinking that you're gonna vote on somebody based on just one quality. You don't even understand how what they want to implement affects your daily life. All that matters is, uh, well, you know, she's a woman, so that benefits. Same people, same people who only voted for Barack Obama because he was black. Yeah, they, they come come to me. And tell me you like Barack Obama's policies or what you dislike about his policies. Don't say, well, we're going to have the first black president. They're like, no, like you, you shouldn't just vote for somebody. And the thing is, like, if I said I was going to vote for someone just because they're white, 
what would people say to me? Right. Particularly a white man, right? You'd be scolded pretty hard about that. Which historically, that's pretty much the only option you have anyways. <laughs> As of recent, at least, right? Okay. Yeah. Which I'm, don't get me wrong, I am thrilled that a woman is the Democratic frontrunner. We can dispute that later. I'm thrilled that Hillary is doing well in the polls. I may not personally agree with a lot of her policies or what she stands for, but I don't I don't agree with Carly Fiorina as well in a lot of things, but she's doing really well. Ben Carson's doing really well. And I, I'm glad there's a lot of diversity in this field. Right. It's it's really refreshing. But right. the same but at the same time, like you shouldn't vote for someone just based on what they look like or their gender. Like listen to what they have to say. Right. Definitely. And if it's not something that resonates with you, then you shouldn't just cater to the fact of their race or their religion or their gender or anything like that. Um, but, you know, some people think, that, think otherwise, obviously. So I, I just want to forewarn everybody. I don't know how many people on here are Martin O'Malley, Jim Webb, or Lincoln Chafee fans, but... Yeah, we're not going to talk about them very much because Tuesday was their moment to shine. And other than Jim Webb sounding like a Republican, nothing really stood out to me about any of them. Yeah. Well, Jim Webb used to be a Republican at one point. And, I mean, he tried really hard to appeal to the black audience by bringing up race a lot. He seemed to bring up race a lot more than any of the other candidates. And yeah, when he, he did. did it, it just felt so awkward and out of place. Like It was awkward listening to him talk. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> he, he, he may be a decent person. I, just, I didn't realize China was our greatest enemy until Jim Webb told me. Like I didn't know I needed to fear for China so much. Yeah, uh, economically, uh, cyber attacks apparently. We need to get our military forces ready to fight them. All types of get the, get the Navy in the South China Sea. Man, they won't take that. They'll take that well. Yeah, I started to wonder if like him and uh, Mister Yorona uh, had something in common because they both are war hungry monsters. But you know, you know. like uh, Jim Webb can be Fiorina's running mate. Fiorina can get um, get all those missile bases on the European front, and Jim Webb can get the Navy going in the South. South China Sea, and we'll see how long the ability lasts in the world. Yeah, well, um, I'll be sure to move uh, very far away from the United States if that happens. We can become Eskimos together. Yeah, that's the only way we're going to survive. Um, one thing that really stood out me, with me with the uh, Democratic debate was all this talk about spending and all this stuff being free and stuff like that, but nobody ever really seemed to talk about how we're going to fund that type of stuff. Now, that's that's a little, that's a, kind of misleading. Um, Bernie Sanders did talk about taxing the rich and taxing more companies um, like, you know, like ExxonMobil and stuff like that. But there's, yeah, I think he specifically said he wants to put a tax on Wall Street and that people like Donald Trump would be paying more money. Right. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can tax the rich before it actually starts to have an even more negative effect on the economy. So stuff like, you know, free college for everybody, free health care for everybody, uh, 12 month maternity leave for women paid for by the federal government. That, that stuff's going to be extremely expensive in the long run. What do you think? What's your take on it? Do you think that that's something that we could just tax the rich on? I mean, we're already $18 trillion in debt. Yeah, no, I I think taxing the rich, you can do that, but you also have to create – because there's a – I was listening to this um, on point with Tom Ashford a few weeks ago. There's a ton of money that a lot of billionaires have in offshore banking. I think you need to make make that not as easy to do. Because that's taxable income right there. Even if you don't raise the taxes on them, they ship their banking to offshore banks and the wherever I'm losing my train of thought right now. But you can tax that income. That's income that's not being taxed right now. You can get some of that money that can go to that can help. I think people who make more should put a little bit more in for their fair share. I don't I don't wanna take all their money away. I mean they, they do work for their money. They shouldn't they shouldn't pay for everybody else, but 
if you're like Donald Trump, you, Donald Trump was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. There's no doubt about it. And right. He just keeps making more and more and more money when me and you, we were not born with silver spoons in our mouth. We have to work a hell of a lot harder than he had to to get to his level. I think he should he should have to put more into our system than, say, you well, don't you think that that type of like excess, more taxing stuff like that is going to give um, people like of that level more of an excuse to try to get their money offshore? Yeah, I no, I, I agree completely, but there needs to be, I don't know how you would make incentives or make it so you can't do that. That's what I, I think that's, that's what needs to happen. Like, granted, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert on this, so I don't know how you would make that happen. But no, that, that's a... That's a point that I have heard before, if you tax them more, they'll just shift jobs overseas. You need, to, you need to incentivize them to keep the jobs here while also making sure that they're not, like, corporations get to get money from the, lost you there for a bit. Where were you? Go ahead. Talking about corporations. Okay. Go ahead and get back to your key point. Sorry about the interruption, everybody. A little bit of technical difficulty there. Yep, sorry. So I was talking about, I talked about keeping jobs and taxes and rich people and stuff like that. The corporations are the biggest beneficiaries of welfare, more so than people like me or you. They get, they get government subsidies way more at a way higher price than we do yeah they most definitely do and I think that's one of my biggest problem with like the role of government is is that as soon as the government gets big enough and starts getting so much money or so much control that these companies start to lobby to get all that extra money and control and benefits that other people um, or yep. other small businesses can't even get no like like Josh like Mobster, there's no way they can ever compete with a Walmart or a Target. There's, there's no way. And when you when you bail out a company, the government owns that company. Like the government has a vested interest in the success of the automobile industry and the banking industry. Like I don't think that's right. I know you don't think that's right. No, definitely don't think that's right at all. Um, so when you have people like Bernie Sanders saying we need to break up the big banks. You know, the, the mainstream media is like, no, 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 no. We don't want that to go down because we have a vested interest in keeping these, bi these banks big. Right, keeping them supposedly too big to fail. And too big to fail is like this, like, ridiculous theory that these companies are going to help create, like, an economic downturn when I think most, like, Austrian economics uh, courses will tell you that big companies that collapse just create more opportunities for smaller banks or businesses or whatever collapse. To take the yeah. place. If there's a, there's like a vacuum for more companies to they'll they'll compete against each other to make a better product where nobody can compete with Walmart's prices. There's just no way. Right. There's but no if Walmart way. goes away, you'll have all these. I mean, it would be unfortunate because Walmart employs a ton of people, and mom and pop stores would never be able to hire all those people to work for them. But they would be able to come in and say, hey, I can offer this service for you at this price as opposed to this guy down the street. There would be more innovation and it would be better for the customer in the long run. In the long run as well. But then also, I mean, when a company gets to a certain size, they don't even start employing as much as they start laying off more. So um, I think Walmart's one of those people who's in that category where – they don't need to employ as yeah. many people as that, like, say, somebody who was an up-and-coming business. Small businesses typically employ more people than a large corporation would because they need more mm -hmm. people to help expand their business. You're already, yeah. If you're already at the top, you don't need to employ more people, more skilled laborers or anything like that because you already are there. Now you just got to keep trying to get your shares up more. And we're not we're not bragging against anybody who works at Walmart. If you work at Walmart and that's how you pay to feed your family, 
at least you're working and doing something. But Walmart definitely, there's no incentive for Walmart to pay their employees well if they're because they don't really have any competition that they could really that can compete with them. Right, and most of the competition out there, in order to keep their prices low, if there is a Walmart in the area, you got to start paying your employees minimum wage absolutely just to be able yep. to keep your prices down to even remotely compete with Walmart. So yep. they're, I mean, they're, con they're set, they're basically setting the rules. Whenever they come into an area, Walmart already set the rules. Yep. So I wanted to go to another point that I thought was, I found funny when Hillary Clinton in the debate after Barack Obama won the election in 2008. He asked Hillary Clinton to be Secretary of State, and she was she was wearing that like a badge of honor that he valued my foreign policy so much that he made me Secretary of State. When I would argue, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Barack Obama's foreign policy has been atrocious. Mm -hmm. That is not something I would brag about. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, look at our relationships with other countries and stuff like that. I mean, they typically seem to be on a more downhill spiral than anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can you can argue that we're doing some good things with uh, Iran, but I don't think Hillary was much of an influence on the Iran deal. Iran no, that was that was more Kerry and Obama. Like she started. She she got the ball rolling, but Kerry, John Kerry definitely closed that deal. Right. And so, but then if you look at like, I mean, look at our relationships with like uh like Russia. I mean, one of the biggest nuclear powers in the world. Um, yep. probably only second to us, um, arguably. I mean, we don't really have a good pictures when they met at the UN a few few weeks ago. Obama and Putin, like nothing but disdain in their eyes for each other. Absolutely nothing but disdain for each other. Right. And it... Russia's got they have more nuclear weapons than we do. Right. There's no reason for are... something like that either. Yeah, and it. It comes down to us treating Russia like a backwaters country when Russia needs to be treated with respect. Like they are a very powerful country and they need to be treated with respect. Yeah, definitely. They are the one of the most powerful countries in the world and pretty much have been since World War II. Um, yeah. There's no reason why we should be treating them with disrespect on any issue at all because at the end of the day they can just like us, wipe out life on this planet, at least life is the way that we know it right now. Yeah, and they, they can invade Ukraine and say, no, I didn't do it, and nothing really happens to them. There's no, like, oh, there's sanctions, slap on the wrist. Like, even, even with the economy in Russia, as poorly as it is, they love Vladimir Putin. You would never, you, you see how Obama's treated by our populace. If our economy took a tank tomorrow, we'd be calling for his head. But Putin? No, we love him. We love Putin. Speaking yeah. for the Russian people, of course. Speaking for the Russian people, of course. Well, you know, in uh, in their defense, he's uh, you know they've been been treated with such disrespect, and Vladimir Putin's just not the type of guy to take that type of stuff. You know, he's he's the guy out there. At least in, make Russia great again. He's making. The, I mean, we're gonna get rid of all these people that we don't love. We're gonna invade these people. Make Russia great again. Hey, that's what they want. That's what they're. That's what they're gonna get. Um, I'm not particularly fond of that approach and everything, but uh, I mean, he's not. He definitely doesn't make them look like weaklings. He definitely makes them look strong, and probably no, strong, probably stronger he's, than they are. But he flexes his muscles going into Ukraine, and he's flexing his muscles going into Syria. And I honestly think he is going to wind up regret getting involved in Syria. Not from us, but because of the retaliation from ISIS and the loss of life he's going to experience on that home front. Right. And then at the end of the day, I mean, if their economy is not doing all that well, I mean, military operations aren't, aren't cheap. You know, it's not, no. like, it's not like going to a dollar menu. It's going to be really expensive, and in the long run, it's probably going to cause them more problems than benefits. And then Russia goes all in, too. They don't just don't go, like, we're going to do airstrikes here and there. It's like, we're going to do airstrikes. We're going to have tanks on the ground. We're going to have troops on the ground. Stuff's not cheap. Right. Speaking of airstrikes, I think that's one thing that kind of bothers me a lot about like foreign policy here. I mean, we heard a lot about that in the 
Democratic and, and and some in the Republican debate as well um, about airstrikes. You know how we don't want boots on the ground. We want there to be airstrikes. We don't want this to be a war. We want this just to be an airstrike, just the operation. Isn't well, it, like we've talked about it, before, right. let's hypothetically say that Iran. Let, let's say there was a group of American terrorists operating in Europe, hypothetically, and. Germany had drones in American airspace and they launched drone strikes without impunity on us saying, oh, well, there's there's a, an American, whatever, we're not going to make up a name for this, but there's a terrorist cell there, so we bombed that. If, if Germany or Iran or Syria did that to us personally, pack to war, we're going to war with you tomorrow. Yeah, it's basically a... We can do it in Pakistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen... Eh, you know, it's not an act of war because you know we're not. There's no boots in the ground, but we're just bombing people that we think are terrorists. Right. Anywhere else in the world, anybody else would do something like that to us. It is an act of war, and yep. there would be a declaration of war by Congress within within minutes. The president wouldn't even have to ask for it. He'd get up on the podium, and they'd be like, "It's already it's already been handled. It's an act of war." Yep. Like, we've already got this stuff ready written for you. You don't even have to ask us. Right, yeah. Um, taxing everybody another 15% just to make sure that we can take care of this problem. Like, that is absolutely asinine that we can do this type of stuff. Yeah. You know, we bomb entire, in Iran and other places, we bomb entire, like, facilities to the ground. And that's not an act of war. And uh, I don't understand why the people in Iran hate us so much. All we do is, uh, you know, oh, no. bomb some stuff. <laughs> I can't think of a reason why they would hate us because we're just we've just treated them with so much respect over the past forty years that why would they why would they spit in our face? Right, exactly. We're basically like their best friends. Yeah. If by best friend you mean we've been shooting on them for the last forty years, then yes. Yeah, pretty much. So it's pretty annoying, and you know the media doesn't cover any of that stuff either. They just act like it just like this hostility that they have towards us just fell out of the sky. For completely no unfounded. Like, yeah. I don't know why Iran hates us so much. Right. I don't know why they want to destroy us and Israel and any anybody else that we're affiliated with. Who knows why, right? I, I don't know why. Maybe because we kept the dictator in power for a long time, and then when they overthrew said dictator, we tried to take out that leader, and we shot down one of their um, commercial jets a while back. 600 people. People gone. And we have no idea. And then the sanctions we put on them don't actually help the situation either. Um, they typically have the reversed effect where we want that the, we want the people to overthrow the regime. But what, that, what the sanctions do is create a more dependence of the people to rely on the regime for food and water and medicine and whatever else that we're stopping from flowing into the country. And the Iranian people, they're, they're just people. They're people who want the same things that me and you want. They want to get to have a good education. They want to be able to go and enjoy themselves a night on the town. They want safety, security, and a paycheck. They, they just, they're normal people. They just want security. Right. They're not all heathen terrorists who want to kill Israel or kill the United States. Most of the people don't care about that. They just want to make a dollar and to have some place to live. Right, raise their kids and whatever. Um, I know that the regime is a little overly religious and that they have their problems with that type of stuff, uh, enforcing like Sharia law and stuff like that. But uh, I, one of my favorite uh, ideas to how to handle those type of things is don't drop bombs in them. Drop uh, blue jeans, rock and roll, and porno magazines on them, and they'll overthrow yeah. the regime themselves. <laughs> yeah, I've read that. I've heard that before, and that's that's a. That's another problem like we both have with religion being in charge of government because anything if you say anything against the government it's automatically you're blaspheming against Allah or insert whatever religion it is. But that's a which I'm glad that we live in this country so that way if we know we disagree with the government it's not a as much as some people would like it to be. Sorry if this offends anybody. I, I disagree with this person's foreign policy. Like, well, that's blasphemous against Christ. No, it's not. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I don't. I disagree with this government policy. I'm not bashing Christianity or whatever religion. 
that's why you need governments to not be a part of the main religion. Right. Separation of church and state. Yeah. There's obvious reasons why that stuff needs to be separated. Um, Which, Ted Cruz, uh, we, we watched this video the last time you were over when Ted Cruz was at persecuted Christians in the Middle East, and they were booing him when he was talking about Israel, and he automatically turned around and said they were anti-Semitic. Right. Like, no, I can disagree with the Israeli government. I don't hate the Israeli people, nor do I hate Jewish people. I can disagree with Benjamin Netanyahu and what the Israeli government does and still like Jews. Right, exactly. Just because you hate, for example, American foreign policy doesn't mean that you hate Americans as individuals. No. No, exactly. So, I mean, that's that's that type of stuff that gets just blown out of proportion. He's got that He's got that mindset where it's either, you know, my way or the highway, basically, type of thing. So... There's really no way of getting around that, unfortunately. Oh, Especially with not somebody like him. He's he's trying so hard to be on the, you know, going to the right that there's no way to even get through to that type of mentality. Yep. So, back to the Democratic debate. Any other things that really stuck out to you that you wanted to bring up? I'm, I'm checking my notes right now and seeing if there was anything that, really, that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. I, I, you know me. We've talked about this. I like Bernie Sanders a lot. I think Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton both did really well in the debate. They didn't, they didn't blow me away with anything they said. Like I, I knew Bernie was going to hit on his focal points about income inequality and the one percenters. I knew, I knew he was going to go off that. And Hillary did a, did a fine job, mm-hmm. but Bernie Sanders really stumbled. He stumbled really bad on the gun control issue, and Hillary pounced on that, which she should. But he did not, I don't think he was prepared, which he should have been prepared, because that Oregon shooting happens, uh, what's the date today? Today's the 18 days ago. He should have have known that gun gun control was going to be brought up, and he is really weak on the gun control front. I would like to know what you thought about that. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the same thing where he was – I mean, it wasn't even just Hillary. It felt like the whole whole entire stage and a little bit of like Anderson Cooper even was attacking him on the whole gun control thing. I think the problem with Bernie, Bernie Sanders is, is that he, he's got some – he's got some pretty – he's got some ideas that a lot of people like. I know, for, you know, like you like – his ideas and stuff a lot as well. Um, obviously, I'm not in that uh, category with him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. We should just end this conversation right now on that. <laughs> but I think what Bernie Sanders is not what he's not prepared for is he's not. I don't know how to put this. Whereas it's like he's not ready to to use smear campaigns like he's not willing to take the opportunity to smear another person or yeah. even or even let that person get smeared you know where they were going over the whole email thing with Hillary Clinton he basically gave her an out yeah, you he know did. And but I, Hillary Clinton in the same situation would never have given Bernie Sanders an no, out and, and so that's one thing I like about him is that he's just like I wanted to talk about the issues I don't want to do smear campaigns, which is fine, but American politics the last 30 years has been Donald Trump sounds like a fascist. Let's let's make that a attack ad. Like the, right. like the Republicans are not going to pull if, if Bernie Sanders gets the nomination, they they are not going to pull any punch in the attack ads for him, and he will not issue attack ads to whoever the Republican candidate is. Right. And and that's part of, and and even then if something comes up to you know he kind of plays the good guy card and helps them get outs and stuff like that. Whereas okay I get it. No smear can, can, campaigns. I don't like smear campaigns. I don't like you know defamation of like character and stuff like that. But if somebody's not and it's politics, if somebody isn't going to give you an out, you you definitely need to make sure that you don't yeah. give them an out either. On to that point, I want to get back to Bernie Sanders in a minute, but on to that point, I think Hillary Clinton got off really easy on that debate. Anderson Cooper didn't pressure her too hard. There, there's a few times where he went a little hard on her, but overall, 
none of the other candidates, O'Malley, Webb, Chafee, Sanders, they never really pressured her and her flip-flopping or she like how she wanted, she was for the TPP a few years ago, but now it's politically convenient for her to tie TPP. Mm-hmm. Anderson Cooper didn't really go on her that hard about it. Sanders didn't yeah. go on her that hard. She got off really easy, and I hope that I'm, honestly, I think the next debate is just going to be Sanders and Clinton and maybe O'Malley. I think Chafee and Webb, their their campaign is on its last limb. So not even going to talk about that. I think the next debate, when, if it's either Sanders or Clinton, I think Sanders needs to hit her harder. But then that comes back to the point as if, if male candidates attack a woman candidate too hard, then it backfires on them. Right, definitely. It, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, because they would even start the statements like, you used to think this on whatever issue, but now you think this. Um, is that a problem? And then she'd talk about how, oh, you know, she'd just be like, oh, well, you know, I learned things. And as I, I learned things, I, invo- I evolved. So that's why that's okay. But it's like, it's not necessarily the case. Believe. Like, I'm, I'm okay with you changing policy positions when you when you learn something new or as you get older it's like oh i think this is better because i've had this experience i'm fine with that but like what what have you learned tell me i would like her to tell me what she has learned in details about why she changed her policy position on the tpp she just said oh the details came out of the negotiation you didn't like it yes what details came out that you didn't like can you please elaborate well, you know, her easy scapegoat then would be, oh, well, you know, that's classified. Well, yeah, that's classified. Like, well, that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. It just sounds like uh, just convenience at this point. Whatever is most popular with the American people is whatever direction you're going to be going towards. Yep, and it's and that that's one of my biggest problems with Hillary Clinton is just she's willing to pander essentially to whoever wants to hear what she has to say. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a problem. Uh, go ahead. It's not a problem to her at all, going from one position to the next, because I mean, it's almost like she doesn't even really have anything for real that she believes in. What she believes in is whatever is going to get her whatever goal that she wants. Yep. And at the moment, it's the presidency. Yep. Which I I, I want to get back to that. Too. I want to want to get back to this Bernie Sanders thing. Okay. Bernie Sanders is very. When it comes to his paid family leave, his income inequality, the 1% campaign finance reform, he fires off on all cylinders. He's polished. He knows exactly what he wants to say and what's going to appeal to people. Then when they're talking in the debate, I was watching it earlier again today, talking about Russia, he's how like they're asking how would Senator, how would President Sanders deal with Vladimir Putin? Um, well, Putin, um, um, Putin's gonna regret what he's doing. It's like, Bernie, you need to, I think his advisors need to be better at advising him on foreign policy because when it comes to this domestic policy and income inequality, he's got that down. But when you're president, you need to focus on more than just that. You can't go, um, um, when it comes to foreign policy. Yeah, because it's kind of a big deal. I mean, domestic policy is very important as well, but almost more importantly, foreign policy is more important because if you don't have those relationships established, um, our economy isn't, first off, going to even thrive because we're not going to be trading with anybody. So it's really important that he gets that type of stuff down. I kind of, I find it interesting that these people even like stumble on these words because from my understanding, um, they really do, for the most part, know what type of questions are going to be asked of them on those debates. From what I understand, from a little bit of background on like how the debates go and stuff, they kind of get, the the mediator gets these questions and they're able to go, they get some like legroom with it, but for the most part, the the candidates know what's coming. I mean, yeah. For the most part. So how are you even stumbling? You should be completely prepared. Yeah, and, and, and I, I would make the point that I have never been in a debate where millions of people are going to be watching me. Very true. And, and, you know, you can stumble up, but then devil's advocate, I would also make the point, if you can't handle that, how are you going to handle being the leader of those people? Yeah, very true. So I don't know. Yeah, 
it's one of those things we'll, we'll have to wait and see what type of uh events unfold coming pretty soon for him um hopefully in the next when's the next one the next one next month for the democrats i don't know that they're they're trying really hard to keep as many as little debates as possible because they dnc really really wants hillary to be the nominee they do not want bernie sanders right and they basically want less opportunity for bernie sanders to look good and yep. i mean Yep, and obviously less opportunities for Hillary Clinton to say something stupid that'll drop her. Which I think I think Bernie will be. I'm hoping he'll be more polished and more articulate. I mean, he did, don't get me wrong; they both did a really good job. But on the gun control and the foreign policy, I think he stumbled a little bit, and he could have done better. Yeah, definitely. He needs to be more. He needs to be more. He needs to play politics a little bit more as well. He needs to make sure that he's not giving his number one uh, contestant or, you know, number one threat outs or anything like that either. You know, if if she is being attacked by Anderson Cooper or whoever's going to be the mediator in the next one, he needs to make sure that that person continues. Let that person go after them, you know. Yep. Don't give them an out. Don't try to change, don't try to change the subject because at the end of the day, you're just basically... I mean, it made him look good. Don't get me wrong. Everybody really did celebrate what he was saying and, and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, he didn't give Hillary a, a chance to look bad either, though. No. So, DeAndre, I, I feel like I already know what you're going to say. But how did you feel about the Facebook question of do black lives matter or all lives matter? <laughs> um. I feel like that was kind of a, you know, for, for one, I mean, they didn't have any choice but to say that Black Lives Matter. No. Um, but it's, you know, you know how I feel in the whole, like, Black Lives Matter thing. Um, I'm not really into the whole fad of, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and otherwise. I mean, obviously, I think everybody thinks that all lives matter, but they're trying to put so much emphasis on this whole Black Lives Matter thing that, I don't know. It it to me it it just sounds like like the whole world is patronizing blacks by saying that you know well we just want you to know that we do think that your lives do matter. Yeah, we we haven't forgotten about you. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about you guys who used to be slaves or whatever. Um, but we haven't forgotten. Well, Donald Trump hasn't forgotten about Hispanics, but we have forgotten about every other minority except for the Muslims. We haven't forgotten about you guys either. We know you're still there, and we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought that that was a very unfair question, especially for something to be put in the whole national debate, because there was no way that any of them could have said anything otherwise and have kept a political future going on. So it was a it was it was a pretty big trap question, um, and one that I don't even think really needed to be out there. You know, because no, I mean, because they're, they're being presidents. I'm not. I'm not. Be, controversial but they're going to be president of the entire united states not just the black right you know what what would have been a, a more fair question wouldn't have been that whole black lives matter thing is what would have been more a fair question is how are we going to change our judicial system to where yeah, black that, people make up 35 percent of the incarcerated population but only make up 13 percent of the population that would have been a, that would have been a whole better instead of appealing to the movement to which I think the movement has good ideas. I don't think they go about it in the best way, but that's just my opinion. If you think differently, feel free to let us know. Mm -hmm. But I think like I was really upset when they protested Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton's rallies. Like, like those are your two potentialist allies in your fight for criminal justice reform, anti-racial profiling. Why don't you go protest Donald Trump or, hell, even Ben Carson's rallies? Have you heard the things Ben Carson has said about what keeps black people impoverished? impoverished? For a man who was raised on government programs to say that government programs keep black people down, I think that's a little bit hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, for one of the smartest uh, neurosurgeons in the world. Um... You know, Ben Carson is like the embodiment of like you can be a genius in one subject, but in everything else you can be like uh, an idiot and everything else. Yeah, and and Ben and who 
paid for Ben Carson's college. I'm pretty sure he had a ton of grants to go to school. Ton of grants, scholarships probably as well. But yeah. Yep. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that Ben Carson was able to come from humble beginnings with a single mom of seven, work really hard, and work his way up to the top. What I don't like is then you demonize those programs that got you there in order to appeal to your base. That is not cool. I don't accept that. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what type of like mental what thoughts are going through this guy's mind right now as he's going through this debate? Um, I don't think that Ben Carson really believes that stuff as much as like he's being forced to be pushed in that type of direction. Oh, and you're probably right, but it doesn't make it any less idiotic. That's very true. That's very true. But I don't, I don't want to get too like we we could have an entire episode talking about Ben Carson. I don't have very nice things to say about him. I apologize if you like him. You can talk to me in private about that, but. Don't want to get too off topic from our current subject. There was something here that I did think it was. I did think it was interesting that both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders would, wanted to hold Edward Snowden accountable as a traitor. Mm. Possibly for like on treasonous levels or whatever. Yeah. That yeah, Hillary Clinton really had me going when she was like, "I think that Edward Snowden should have stayed here. I don't think he should have ran away, and I think that he would have been protected as a whistleblower." There, there were ways he probably could have ensured that that he could have been kept safe for what he said. Yeah, but I mean, what was who was the what was that other guy, the WikiLeaks guy? I mean, look at what happened yeah, to that individual as well. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think he, um, I don't know if he ever made it to Ecuador. I know he had asylum in, uh, in the UK for quite some time. And then, uh, the Ecuadorian president said that, uh, he'd allow him to come over to Ecuador. Um, but there was no way for him to ever get to the airport without being arrested that I know of. And, no, um, no, he was at the, yeah, he was at the Ecuadorian and. And they dropped his police card last week. Because mm. it cost too much money. But to be honest, if I was an Ecuadorian citizen and I found out my money was being spent keeping him, I mean, what, what has Julian Assange done for the Ecuadorian people? True. So. But that's a, I just, I just thought it was interesting because it seems like Republicans are really gung-ho about, boom, Edward Stone, try him, execute him whatever they want to do with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's even on both fronts. I mean, the the Democrats aren't really too too fond of him either. I mean, remember he made a mock he basically kind of made a mockery of the Democratic president, the current Democratic president, you know, right now. So yeah, I, would, I would argue that Barack Obama, despite the LGBT comments and his advocates for their rights, I would say he has been about as good on civil rights as George Bush was. Yeah. You can't tell me he didn't know about the NSA spy. He knew about that. He only came out and said something about it when when it was made clear. Which I liked Rand Paul a lot, and I'm glad he came out and wanted to make sure that the mass data collection was discontinued. Like it pissed everybody else off. Yeah, that's kind of where Rand Paul, where, where Rand Paul kind of is uh, probably the most unique, probably the most unique candidate is he's the only one who really wants to stand up to the NSA's data collection and uh, I know in the first debate he tried to go really strong against Chris Christie on that type of issue, which kind of made him look more more like a jerk than a hero. But uh, you know he's the only he is the but he is the only one who does want to stop the NSA from its massive data collection against us. I guess that's really commendable of him. No, and I, I won't I won't take that away from him at all. Yeah. But, you know, who knows what's gonna who knows what these people when they get into office. I mean, Barack Obama was Barack Obama said a ton of stuff that sounded great until he got into office and then it was a complete yeah. complete flip flop. I mean he was saying he wouldn't give bailouts to bankers. First thing he did was he bailed out the banks and then 
he pulled the troops home day one. He didn't pull the troops home, and now he just said that he's going to keep troops in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, I mean, these people say a bunch of stuff that sounds great, but then they get in office, and then they're just like, oh, well, you know. Reality hits. Reality hits. They got to, you know, serve whatever special interest group got them in there, or maybe the situation, or who knows, maybe the situation looks even worse when you get into the presidency, and you're like, oh, man, there's really no way I can pull out. Who knows? No. I mean, I think I think we had an election process more like um, the United Kingdom, the Great Britain's, where they pretty much campaign for a month and then there's elections. I think there will be less chances for these candidates to make all these sorts of promises on what they're going to do and back out of them. Okay. But we had we had Ted Cruz announced in March, like 18 months before the election, and we're it's October and we're like already in it. Like this is like not the words are escaping me. This is like the, we're really in it. We've had two Republican debates, Democrat debates. We're gonna have to deal with this for another year of constant coverage of these candidates, constant coverage of what they say, constant yeah. coverage of where they go, constant coverage of them all the time. Right. And it's, it's, and that's for people and like us to to follow them. It's just like I can't cover all these candidates and all the stupid things they say. Right, and that's very, and that is very fair. I mean, there's no way that anybody can act a normal day-to-day -day person can keep up on every single thing and every single promise that these people are making. You know, it's just. I mean, for if I'm gonna be working 40 hours a week plus trying to have a decent social life, it's just not gonna happen. No. Like, I try to. I try to keep up on stuff. It's just, I can't keep track of all these people say. And when it comes to the Republicans, like half the stuff they say doesn't matter anyways. There's only going to be one nominee. When it comes to Democrats, I pretty much want to follow what Hillary and Bernie are going to say. Right. Exactly. I mean, at this point in the Republican debate, all you got to do is pay attention to Donald Trump because he's looking like he's going yeah. to win Everyone's it. Everyone's trying to out-Trump Trump, and I'm sorry. Not gonna happen. No, yeah, he has decades of experience. You know, he's been a celebrity for what twenty, thirty years now. So he's got a lot more experience than any of the Republican candidates have right now. Did you want to talk more about that? I know you, you brought up the Doctors Without Borders things earlier. Did you want to hit on that before we end this? Yeah, just just a little bit. Um, not too much. I don't need to hit on it too much. Um, just to remind everybody what happened, so on October 3rd, um, the United States military bombed um, a hospital that was ran by Doctors Without Borders for over an hour. For over an hour, they were bombed, and which resulted in 22 people being killed, um, 10 of which were doctor staff members, and 10 of which were patients. Um, for me, this is this is, I mean, probably one of the biggest tragedies that we've had in a long time, and it shows just how one-sided the world stage is. I mean, if this would have happened from anybody else in the world—Iran, China, North Korea, Russia, uh, Syria—we'd be pounding the war drums right now, easily. Well, hell, if this even if this had even happened in the Western right. Yeah, if this would have just happened over on this side of the world, yeah, there would have been a big issue. If there would have been, been a hospital that got bombed in Mexico City, we would have had the war drums, war drums going. Right, yeah, because for one, I mean, we don't let anybody do anything on the western half of the hemisphere anyways without America's permission. No, this is our sphere of influence. We have it all over here. This is all ours. Yep, and it's been that, it's been that way for over 100 years now, so that's, luck, luckily for everything south of Texas. Yeah, they got us. We got, we got your back. Right. But, I mean, it just it just drives me insane. You know, the only thing that the president did was he called the, you know, the leader of the Doctors Without Borders, called her and told her, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're really sorry about what happened over there, even though you guys called us while we were bombing and told us that. Right, shit happens. Yeah. But, I mean, they called. Right after the first bomb was dropped, they called down to the United States and, and to the United States military and told them, what was going on that this was a, a hospital that um, the Geneva Convention is supposed to protect and uh, they continue to bomb them for over an hour I mean 
doesn't get much worse than that. I don't know how you can even come up with an excuse for that. I don't even know what the rationale is for that. Yeah, and the only thing that... Is a few Taliban soldiers being there worth bombing a hospital? Yeah, and even then, um, they're, even then, for one, they're not the Taliban while they're in that hospital because everybody in those hospitals has to relinquish their weapons before they come in there. Um, you're just a human being getting medical treatment. Right, and then if you are going to bomb that hospital, um, they are supposed to give those people in the hospital, they're supposed to give the staff a warning so they have time to get away from the bombing, and none of that happened. So that's kind of kind of messed up. Not only that, but they also, I mean, before they even set foot into that building, Doctors Without Borders called down to the U.S. military or the government or whoever runs this program, and told them the GPS coordinates of the building. So we there's almost no excuse for us not for us to have bombed that building. And and just just show um, some perspective on how little coverage this gets. I type in U.S. bombing. The first thing that pops up on Google: U.S. bombing Syria, U.S. bombing ISIS, U.S. bombing China. Those are the top three results on Google for U.S. bombing. Don't even get a U.S. bombing hospital. No, of course not. Why would you get that? Because we screwed up, and they they don't want an independent investigation. Because yeah. I'm sure an independent investigation will show, yeah, yeah, you guys kind of screwed up a little bit, and someone's gonna get hit with some war crimes. Somebody's gonna get hit or with this. Hopefully. Speaking of which, Doctors Without Borders has recently started a petition for a uh, for independent investigation. I encourage anybody who's listening to this to go and sign for that um, because this is a tragedy that we do need to have an investigation on and figure out exactly what happened um, to the people. You know, what exactly brought this about? It, there's, almost, there's no excuse for it. Um, and if there is an excuse, then we need to know what that excuse was. Innocent it does people. not indicate a mistake. Quite precise nature of the attack. Exactly. It was pretty. Yeah. They, they, they knew what they were hit. And man, these I'm looking at these pictures right now. It's just man, they're just like the apocalypse right there. That hospital. It's horrible. I can't even imagine being there when that was happening. Oh no, of course not. I mean, we're talking men, women, children, all being just dropped, bombarded over and over and over again. Um, for for over an hour, an hour, like the call was made after the first bomb dropped, and they yep. continued for over an hour. Okay, maybe one bomb, false information, but over an hour, like yeah. And I'm reading this. They said they contacted everybody, saying that like you're you're attacking the building. Like please stop. Right. And they didn't stop. I mean, I've watched interviews and stuff like that, and you get to see how, like, poor up these guys are about that. You know, people running these, running Doctors Without Borders, how they're just pretty torn up about the whole situation. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they've lost some friends, yeah, maybe some family. It's a great organization, too. Like, Ebola, Ebola will be running rampant in Western Africa right now, Doctors Without Borders. Right. No, it's a, it, it's it's sad. It really, it's a travesty, and like, like you said, if it had happened, if anybody else had done it besides the United States government, boom, we'd be all up in them. All, all up in them right now. They would have already had dropped boots on the ground right now, bomb, bombing them, everything, everything that it would have took to, to get in there, we would have did. So it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, you know, my mind goes out to anybody who who had to experience that type of tragedy, loved ones that they lost over that that needless violence. I mean, we live in a messed up world, and people say that America is supposed to be the shining light that makes the world a better place. And when things like this happen, I just wonder, like, are we really making the world a better place, or are we making it more violent? Right. I mean, if you look at the, there's some polls that they did at one point where they talked about, um, or what's that they talked about? They did a survey, and who is the biggest, um, 
what country out there lies as the biggest instability to peace and a lot of people vote that America is the biggest instability to world peace and with stuff like this and, and even other things you can see why people would think that why people would think that we're the biggest problem we are the biggest problem in the world yeah I, I guess I would should say us more more you know our political foreign figures, policy. foreign policy and people running our government but in the world to live right but don't act, act like your stuff doesn't stink when you're crapping everywhere else right exactly well yeah that's pretty much all I wanted to hit on that is there anything else that you wanted to bring up did you want to I know we're kind of we're kind of scatterbrained and all over the place our episode will be a little bit more concise in future episodes I hope you can forgive us was there anything else you wanted to hit on on the Democrat debate that we didn't talk about? Um, no, nothing I wanted to hit on the Democratic debate. I did want to say that uh, everybody was listening. Um, I did want to bring I did want to bring up that I would appreciate it if everybody kept um criticism into a more constructive form. Um, I don't think that neither yes. me nor Matt need any type of insults right now. I'm pretty sure we'll get it later down the line but if we can try to keep it as constructive as possible to what we could do better instead of you know degrading that would be fantastic I agree although I did I did there was one point I really did want to bring up okay. going back to the Democrat debate I can't remember if I talked to you about this or not but I think I think because CNN did the last Republican debate and that was what, Jake Tapper, if I remember correctly? He did that one? The, who hosted it? Who, um, yeah, he, did, he was the moderator for the last Republican debate on CNN. Really? I thought it was Cooper. No, no, Cooper did the Democrat. Jake Tapper did the Republican. Okay, yep. Yeah, Jake Excuse me. Yeah, well, when, when Jake Tapper did the Republican debate on CNN, it was... The, the whole three-hour debate was essentially so-and-so said this about you, how do you respond? And then he just let them throw insults, throw mud. There was about a half hour of actual policy being discussed in which Donald Trump didn't say anything. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Yeah. But the Republican debate was pretty much just a smear fest the whole time. I'm better than this person because I'm this person and I did this. I'm better than this person because I did this. Whereas in the Democrat debate, Anderson Cooper went hard on those candidates' policies. He, which he did a really good job. I won't dispute. He did a really good job when they when they answered a question. He he would say, "You didn't actually answer my question." He came at them hard on their policy issues and what they stood for. And I I think they got a little bit harsher treatment than the Republicans because the Republicans pretty much just threw mud at each other and didn't have to be accountable to what they said. Yeah, I think that we need to do, um, I encourage you to do a little bit more research about how um, Donald Trump is having a, now a more influence on how future debates and stuff are having to go on. Um, if I had to think about in, about the reason for that, I, I, I gotta say it's Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the one who's making the rules now. The next debate is gonna be um, a lot less shorter because he wants it to be shorter now. Yeah, and I, and honestly, like, I don't think that's right. I, I don't think CNBC should cower to him or Ben Carson's demands. Right. Like, make the debate the way you want it. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to money. They're worried that nobody will watch it if Donald Trump's not in it, which me and you will still watch it. But yeah. a majority of the populace just want to see what the next ridiculous thing that Donald Trump's going to say. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, um, should probably look into that a little bit more. I'm pretty sure that it does have a lot to do with him, but it's probably now it's probably not all over the internet. The things that he's making them, you know, cater to. You know, he's probably catering the type of questions that they could even ask. Yeah. Well, I gosh, I don't know. I was reading online a while ago that um a radio station in Georgia did an interview with Donald Trump. And his um, campaign manager said that you're not going to ask about any of my policy stances. It's just he's pretty much just a talking head. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to talk about policy. 
He just wants to say things yeah. like, I'm going to make America great. We're losers. Our leaders are idiots. Everyone else is a loser but me. Right. Okay, that's fine. Nick. You want to trash talk everybody. Great, yeah. whatever. What are you going to do to make America great? I'm just going to do it. Yeah. No, like, what are you actually going to do? It's just going to happen. No, I need specifics. Right. I need answers. Because I'm pretty sure when Donald Trump interviews people for a job, and he asks them what they're going to do for his company, and somebody just goes, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm pretty sure that's not an acceptable answer for him. And at this moment, he's basically interviewing for the most powerful position in the world. So Yeah, which maybe I should take a, take a page out of the Trump playbook in the next interview I have. Just, I'm going to be the best at my job. You're not going to know how I'm going to rock it so much, but I'm just going to be the best at my job. You'll find out when you hire me. Find out when you hire me. Hire me. Yeah, and that other, me. Yeah. And that other scrub sitting out there waiting to get interviewed, that person's just pathetic. You shouldn't hire yeah, them. Don't hire that person because if you look, if you look at that face, you would never hire someone to look that ugly. It's, it's pretty much Donald Trump. Yep, pretty much. So I'm glad that we talked about that. That's uh that's something uh, that I need to do more you do more investigation on, more do some more reading on. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think this is gonna. I think we're gonna. Unless you have anything else to say, you want to wrap this up. Yeah. You want to do a closing statement? Yeah. So I know we were kind of scatterbrained. So we're gonna talk about the Democratic debate. We we talked about that a lot, but we did get a little bit scatterbrained again. Forgive us. Apologies. Our first podcast will get a little bit more concise and clear next time. But. Thank you for listening. I'm sure this first episode will pretty much just be friends and family. If it's people who aren't friends and family, thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll have something out new for you in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Probably the next the probably the next one will probably be shortly after the Republican debates. And we'll talk okay, about Yeah, that's at the end of the month, so it's a couple of weeks. I got I'm on vacation that week, so I'll be uh doing a lot of reading on that. Um, okay. and then whatever events are going on at that time is probably what we'll be talking about. Yep. So keep it keep it locked here to the Irrational Thoughts podcast. And again, thank you for listening. And you can, if you're new, you can like us on Facebook. We're just the Irrational Thoughts podcast. Send us a like. Send us a comment. Send us a message. I'm sure if you if your friends or family of either of us, you have our phone numbers. You can send us a text or send us a Facebook message. Let us know how we're doing. Hopefully, within the next month, we'll have a a website up. I'll probably I'll probably run the Twitter feed on. I know you're not on Twitter, DeAndre, so I'll probably run that. We'll have a Twitter feed up and running. We'll just we're gonna try and keep this thing going for as long as possible. When you guys aren't interested in it anymore, we'll we won't be interested in it anymore either. So. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good day. Well, thank you. Bye-bye.